welcome to Darker Days Radio presents Dark Hammer, a Worlds of Warhammer podcast. I'm one of your regular hosts, Chris, and I'm joined once again by Mike. Hi, Mike. How's it going? Oh, it's going great. I'm definitely ready to talk about chaos once again. Oh, yeah. It's been a while. Uh, we've had quite the hiatus. We've all been busy. It's been Christmas. Yep. It's been everything. So, uh, yeah. We're just going to get back into it. Uh, this is another episode about chaos gods which is great uh that means we're nearing the end as it were and then we'll get into some other uh warhammer specifics uh for other episodes because there's a lot more stuff out recently uh but before so yeah we're going to talk about as each uh but before we get into that let's uh talk about uh some gaming updates so mike what have you been up to kind of gaming wise warhammer related warhammer related um nothing (laughs) Um, have you been painting anything or nothing nothing for warhammer nothing for warhammer but i'll tell you something cool that did happen my friend was walking down the street and checked out a little free library and found uh some old copies of how to paint citadel miniatures and how to paint space marines oh wow uh, she said oh mike might want that and uh now i've got them and, uh, you know, going through that old, like, 2003 classic kind of paint Citadel miniatures is uh, pretty great. It's actually really interesting to see that they gave you tips on how to make your own, basically, contrast paints and washes back in the day before those were even part of the, uh, the range, you know, just using inks and other mixtures. Uh, actually, inks and PVA glue was a pretty popular thing that they did, which uh, I found a little questionable, but uh, it worked back then and uh, could still work today uh but the uh the the space marines book actually is kind of kind of garbage to be honest uh <laughs> you know it's mostly it doesn't actually really tell you how to paint that much it's just kind of the stuff you'd find in the rule book where it's like or or in a white dwarf where it's like here you know just like layer up some paint and then a whole lot of like galleries on different space marine chapters and uh different things that people in the design studio or the uh, uh nottingham staff uh had painted up themselves which is pretty cool but you know, I was expecting a little bit more uh, in there with regards to actually painting Space Marines. Ooh, okay. Uh, yeah, okay, cool. Um, Gaming-wise, for me, uh, let's say, play the game of Warcry 2.0. Um, cool. Yeah, it's not really that much different to uh, the first edition of it. Um, so, I you know reactions don't turn up that frequently you don't really have to use them uh they're very edge case kind of like when you you know situational so i think things are just better balanced like iron golems now are pretty decent um i think they've got more yeah they've got more hit points um okay so they just feel tougher so that's quite good good. um bear with me uh, let's think. What else? Uh, Dark Tide has been a lot of fun to play. I need to play through uh, a bit more of that, but it's uh, it it mm-hmm. captures a lot of you know Warhammer forty thousand as a uh, you know as Imperial Guardsmen or you know agents of the of the Inquisition and you know uh, exploring uh, the Underhive. So I yeah. need to dive into that and see what new environments and missions they've put in recently. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to do an episode on that sometime? It seems like you're, oh uh, yeah, really we need to it. cover it. There's a there's a lot of lore about uh, mm-hmm. the hive tertium. That's that's the hive you're on, and Atoma Prime, which is the world. There's a whole 
you know subsector of planets uh which you can pick who you you can as you make your character you can pick to be from some of these planets so that adds mm -hmm. a bit of character so that's really good fun uh let's think what else uh played i bought and played blood teeth and shooters which is a platform shooter uh where you're playing as orcs and what well, as a orc um it's got very cartoony graphics and it's got a really cool soundtrack so it's just you know good stupid fun uh you get mm. to kill orcs genes to occultists imperial guardsmen uh space marines it's got everything and then, yeah yeah it yeah. looks good definitely a nostalgia trip um oh yeah and, and definitely in the same vein as that uh that kind of doom clone shooter that they uh were teasing a little while back yeah so yeah it's good fun and then the uh i've played finally played some more um like a proper full game of uh of aeronautical imperialis uh that was good fun using the rules a bit more i mean it's not a very deep you know it's not a very complicated game there's lots and lots of rules but it's very deep because of the tactical maneuvering so yeah eldari are just pain in the ass uh they're really mm. tricksy um so i've got like uh, a few new uh models to paint for the space marines so i've got the fire raptors uh because they've got some more close range weaponry which should be good against the eldar and a uh an old resin fiend, no vampire hunter so that was for the mm. the original version of aeronautical imperialis so technically it's only a model that is six millimeter in scale but you can't really tell from what okay. i can see so it still looks appropriate uh i just need to paint it that's basically it so that's that's gaming uh recently for me yeah actually you know i just remembered something chris that uh is warhammer adjacent which i've been uh kind of checking out and uh, interacting with and that's the uh uh this uh, fellow napoleonic wargaming on youtube is actually making his conversion for Mezbeg, Middle Earth Strategy Battle Game, to Napoleonics, which uh, I think is pretty cool, pretty interesting. You know, just have like kind of a, a nice, easy, free flowing skirmish system for what is normally a uh, massed battle game that takes you five days to complete one battle. So <laughs> yeah. I think that's pretty cool. You know, not exactly Warhammer, but uh, definitely something neat that people should check out in the near future. Cool. Uh, right, I guess we uh, talk about gaming news because there's like lots recently, like lots, uh, it's, and it's been a while for us to talk about. So yeah. let's talk about all the releases. Uh, right, so there's some Era of the Beast stuff for Age of Sigmar coming out, or is out, I can't quite remember. Uh, but mm -hmm. the big thing for that is we've seen the cover for the Ulfen Khan book so that is the age of sigma soulbound tie-in with uh curse city so mm -hmm. that should be really interesting like that's a really cool location even if the end game of the actual uh warhammer quest board game is quite crap because like basically the narrative just goes off the rails yeah, it, it it it's challenging to make a a satisfying 
narrative with player agency for a um for a board game you know yeah. compared to a role-playing game which is why the Ulfenkarn source book for uh soulbound is really exciting and especially for those of us that have always kind of wished that there was a mordheim sort of uh warhammer fantasy role-play uh source book this is kind of the next best thing you know it's a it's a city which is incredibly dangerous lots going on lots of foul magic undead and everything else and it really gives some similar feelings to mordheim while not being the same sort of you know apocalyptic nature um so i'm I'm ecstatic that uh, we're going to be getting this soon and uh, definitely want to review that sometime and play oh, yeah. it too. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, let's think what else? Um, I mean, we've seen uh, plenty of stuff out for Age of Sigma recently with new slab models, uh, more uh, Slaves to Darkness coming out. Uh, we've got, there's plenty of things. Go over to Warhammer Community to look at that. We've got new box coming out for Warcry. We've got what these weird vampires versus a cornate kind of fleshhound cult. So mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. again some really cool models and ties in with what we've been talking about in these in this kind of series of shows recently. Uh let's think what else. Uh Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. Uh I can't remember if there's been any book out recently. I think there has been, but I can't remember. Uh, yeah, there's been a lot of stuff coming out. Um, you know, they announced the Illustria source book, which is uh, really oh, exciting. Yes. And um, uh, of course, I mean, I, I think I'm not sure if this came out while we were recording the chaos things, but the uh, enemy, with, enemy within got wrapped up as well with the new yes. ending. So that's definitely really rad. Uh, the other big thing is, of course, with Warhammer is the old world. We're getting more teasers of that. So that new edition of what we feel as you know War- Warhammer fantasy battles in its classic form is coming back. Uh, we're learning mm-hmm. more that it's about that period when it was the time of three emperors or more. Uh, so yeah. this all predates the coming of Magnus the Pious. So yeah, we're getting historical Warhammer, and again, that's great for the role play game because. Oh, yeah. The settings get developed, so that makes it a viable time to play. It means, you know, wizards and magic users are distrusted. Elves are distrusted. Elves and dwarves don't get on. Uh, firearms are not commonplace. It's going to be a really uh, good setting. Definitely. And also, what takes place at that time? More time as well. So I'm oh, yeah. always going to be thrilled for it. Uh, then we also have, as I said, with Curse City actually going back to Age of Sigma, all the expansions are out for that. So I've got all of those. I just need to get all the relevant miniatures. I've got a few things to get for it and to paint if I ever get time, uh, and complete the first campaign. Uh, so that's something. Um, I'm just going through the Cubicle 7 news of Warhammer. I sure they released something else but i think they've they've really focused on 40k and age of sigma right now with uh warhammer i think when you wrap up uh the enemy within campaign it gives them a a nice fresh start with new ideas really um Mm-hmm. So Wrath of Glory, uh, we see the cover for Threat Assessment Xenos, which I wrote for. So there's Gene Silicult's, uh 
Eldari Craftworld, Eldari Harlequins, Eldari Drakari, Tau, and Necrons, and Orcs. Uh, so it's a big beastry book of all those things, plus some other rules. So that's been long-awaited, so that's closer to production. Uh, then we also have teased from that update is there's going to be a threat assessment kind of chaos book. So, you know, that's going to be what? Cultists, space marines, monsters, demons, the whole, you know, the the works. So that's going to be great. Uh, There's other books for Wrath and Glory still in the process that we, uh, that have been announced, like the Eldari kind of player character book to come out. And then 40k-wise, like on the miniature side, we've got the whole Arcs of Omen and boarding actions, which is a new way of playing. A lot smaller armies uh, with the cool, you know, Space Hulk kind of terrain. Uh, and the new box for Kill Team, which has Adeptus Arbites and Drakari, uh, I think is a must-buy for me, personally. Uh, I need to get that box. Because Adeptus Arbites... Uh, like we haven't yep. seen in years, uh, so that that update and learning how they operate in the universe is going to be really interesting. Oh yeah, because the um, we just had the enforcers for Necromunda it wasn't actually yes. the Adeptus Harbite. So wow. Yeah. So when was the last time we had miniature swarm? Was it the old metal ones from the nineties? Uh, it would have been the metal ones they did for the second run of Necromunda in about yeah. 2002, 2003. Yeah, wow. So, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's been quite a while. All right, that it's is really while. exciting. Nice. And yeah, you're right, because the enforcers were, are Necromunda's kind of police force. Uh, so the Adeptus Arbites are really like the, the FBI for the Imperium. They work across... You know, planets and work across uh, uh, subsectors and so forth. They're right, right. They're very federal rather than local. Yeah, and they were kind of setting it up with the uh, 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 Shira Calpurnia uh, Adeptus Arbides books that came out years ago. Yeah, that's really cool. And um, if people want to hear more about those, they can check out the Law in the Imperium episode that you did with uh, David, I think. Uh, that's right, and um, we'll mostly have to go back and update that information when we get the uh, kill team uh, yep. box out. But I think that covers uh, pretty much everything gaming wise out of Games Workshop right now. There's there's still more that you know we haven't mentioned, I'm sure. Uh, but there's a lot of cool stuff, and it's uh, it's a pretty cool time to uh, to pick up some RPG supplements, really. Right, I guess we talk about Zeech. Yep, let's do it. So, Chris, I can kick things off here a little bit yeah, and, uh, and give you a break. So, uh, let's talk about the origins of Zeech and the other Chaos Gods. So, you know, in Warhammer and uh, Age of Sigmar, Chaos is a primeval force that was unleashed upon the Old World when the Chaos Gates, uh, which were how the Old Ones traveled across the universe to the Old World, uh, when they collapsed. When these gates collapsed, the force of Chaos, the magic, poured through. Um, there's, you know, four different Chaos Gods, primarily maybe we'll have a fifth episode you never know uh covering uh, some other uh smaller entities that are out there but um 
you know, corn is, as we mentioned, an out of control desire to survive. And we have Nurgle, which is the fear of death. And then Zinch is uh, a little bit in between. You know, living beings uh, enact change and they evolve and uh, they want to shape the world around them as they see fit. And that is what Zinch kind of checks into with his own powers. Uh, but that desire to change the world in the case of Zinch is completely unchecked, which leads to more than just evolution, but also chaos and conspiracy that spirals out of control on the surface and also leads to some very complex scheming. Uh, Zinch uh, hates stagnation, uh, changes instigated through lies, deceit, ambition, destiny, prophecy, and sorcery, and things that generally break the natural cycles. Meanwhile, uh, in 40k, uh, Zinch was the second of the four Runas powers to awaken sometime uh, around the start of the Middle Ages, uh, when great nation states uh, formed after the uh, ruins of Rome. And uh, these nations, of course, were a, a, a hot pot of scheming. So what is Zinch about exactly? You know, amongst all of these chaos gods, uh, what does he represent? And you know, his aspects are really uh, relevant to destiny, importance, prophecy, magic, and sorcery, things that can change the natural laws. Uh, also, fire uh, is really the element that uh, he most corresponds to, and uh, so do his demons as well. Uh, Zinch uh, is, is uh, following you know, as, as this kind of deific figure following many different conspiracies and ambitions, you know, wheels within wheels trying to reach for power and thus change anything that he can see. And so same thing with his followers as well. Things like evolution and mutation uh, amongst, you know, creatures and beings are things that can be done to strive for greater and more power. Um, nothing really that Zinch deals with is clean, sensible, or ordered. You know, raw creation, power, and change. And as we'll uh, see with like different uh, locations associated with Zinch, even those are not static. They're ever-changing. Um, and this really puts Zinch in opposition to stagnation and death. Um, you know, he does not like to see the end of things, uh, the end of life, but instead looks for change and creation to uh, oppose that uh, which really makes him the diametric opposite of Nurgle. Uh, Zinch also has some very positive aspects. We've been highlighting this with the different chaos gods uh, but I think it's really important to bring these up. So Zinch of course loves magic, sorcery, and knowledge and the, uh, the power that comes with it um, and it is that drive uh, that humans are attracted to um, you know being able to become something greater that they are to evolve not just themselves, but also their society and their world. And another less discussed aspect of Zinch is, of course, hope. Um, you know, Zinch, in, for, for many, especially the downtrodden, can represent, you know, uh, a change for the better, ambition for a brighter future, and ultimately progress. But whether if that is for good or ill really kind of depends on uh, on the people and how Zinch feels that day, because he can be a bit fickle sometimes. Uh, as we mentioned, uh, Nurgle is the diametric opposite of uh, Zinch, um, who is very cautious, uh, uh, doesn't really like to adapt, and is, is static in many ways. Zinch, of course, refers for his creations to adapt, evolve, and mutate constantly and perhaps endlessly. It would be interesting, actually, the, the mutation of Zinch what they've mm -hmm. struggled is also quite, I feel quite different to what Nurgle kind of because Nurgle also has 
mutation as an aspect, but I feel Nurgle as a mutation is almost like life and decay unleashed. So they're kind of kind of more natural progressions to to mm. a certain extent. Whereas each with the mutations are much more uh, bizarre in some respects. Maybe I think there's there, there there could be. I think that's an interesting like to compare those two things on how they change life. Yeah, yeah. I think um I think you hit on something right there. It's gonna be very slow, methodical change for Nurgle, you know, more evolution. And with Zinch, it's gonna be, you know, work fast and break things. Um sometimes yeah. you'll end up with something like very highly effective, very interesting, but other times uh maybe maybe that that mutation won't work out uh for the best. Um so yeah, Zinch is very interesting in that way. Another thing that we've been highlighting with some of these episodes is how different old world gods may actually be a very narrow aspect of the chaos gods. You know, we explored different um, uh, fertility deities that Nurgle is probably associated with. And of course, like uh, Cain and Myrmidia being associated with Korn. Zinch um, has some of these similar aspects uh, with the old world gods, but actually far fewer than them. It was actually very difficult to uh, um, find that many matchups. But I think I found two, which are, are pretty strong. Um, first, amongst the elven pantheon in the old world, there is, I'm going to mispronounce this, I think, but I think it's Lilith, um, who is the god of clarity, prophecy, and foresight, uh, and also a god of uh, dreams and fortune. And this moon goddess is associated with the more Nurgle-like Aisha and Moray Heg, who are goddesses of fertility and death, respectively. But you kind of can see, sandwiched into this uh, this cycle of life, is this brief but uh, powerful uh, aspect, which is Lilith. Um, and you know the the kind of prophecy and foresight, I think, is a very interesting. Uh, uh, connection to Zinch, since many times Zinch will uh, kind of uh, give prof- prophetic uh, powers to some of his followers. In addition to that, in the human pantheon of the old world, there's also Varena, uh, which has many aspects of Zinch. Um, this is a goddess of science, justice, and knowledge, and uh, Varena oftentimes is a benevolent force for those seeking freedom from despotism. Um, elves actually have a similar god named uh, Hoth, but uh, Hoth, to me, seems a lot more static than Zinch would be uh, uh, dynamic. So I'm not really sure if that's a good overlap right there. And uh, Chris, I was also looking at Renald, which is a uh, kind of god of luck and, and thieves. And I just wasn't sure if, uh, if that was a good matchup. You know? I thought that was pretty cool. I think, I think yeah. uh, thieves mostly works with tricksters, you know, con artists. Right, right. So that feels like a good a good match okay okay good yeah certainly the fickle nature of Renald uh can can match up very well but i wasn't sure so much about the thievery but no you bring up a good point so that's another good one uh, as well if you want to tie together uh different old world gods to uh different chaos uh aspects uh the other thing i was going to say is that what's interesting i think this ties in with uh the enemy within campaign is that Zeech, I feel, is at its zenith in power, in the Warhammer world at least, when the Empire is perceivably at peace. So 
Mm. You know, there's no massive war going on. There's no plague. I think Zeech and more than likely Slanesh are, you know, working their most in that peacetime because obviously within pe- within that peacetime, you know, the Empire and other similar kingdoms around it of humans, they are able to form you know, conspiracies and plans and plans for the future. And that mostly represents why Zeech feels like the the main kind of orchestrator, as it were, of the camp of the enemy within campaign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um that's a great point about, you know, the peacetime being uh where Zeech can achieve the most power. We'll definitely see that when we talk about the purple hands uh down below. Um yeah, I was also trying to figure out um, you know, it, when Fancy Flight had Warhammer Fancy Roleplay, the license, they released their own version of The Enemy Within, which did not have the uh, purple hands, but had the black cowl, who was doing very similar things. I was trying to figure out if he was a uh, a servant of Zinch or not, and it seems like he probably wasn't. But um, anyway, I'll research that, and uh, maybe we can talk about that in a future episode, maybe when we get to that, that mythic fifth Chaos God episode. So, Chris, do you want to talk about uh, Worshippers of Zinch a little bit? Uh yeah, so as we've said, Zeech uh you know is is basically the patron of of magic, sorcery, or in the 40k universe, also you know, psychic powers, uh knowledge seekers, uh technologists, those type of people. So and also, as we've mentioned, is uh you know, enjoys watching conspiracies and plans interweave and those people thinking they're going to get power when really they are unwittingly serving Zeech. So ultimately, worshippers of Zeech are drawn more than likely unwittingly into the into that worship because they are seeking to gain power for their own benefit to break from destiny or fates laid out for them. So that's good on the one hand but you have to be careful of what you are what you are asking for because each can quite happily reward even the most uh, well-intentioned person unwittingly can be corrupted and turned into turned into a sport or even their even some of each's greatest champions are brought low and turned into mindless spawn because there is another uh there is another willing, better potential servant waiting in the wings. So the worshippers of each, I think, are always going to have at their heart an element of hubris, which is they think they know what they're going to get out of the deal, but ultimately, you know, Zeech is fickle oh, in yeah. what happens. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And within that scope, I think many of the cults for Zeech, I think are best represented as kind of mystery cults that will... And a mystery cult essentially means, you know, there are layers and layers of indoctrination for you to learn the truth. And those type of cults can work in every strata of society. And that's why Zeech can draw people into into its influence, whether they are, you know, workers in some manufactorum on some godforsaken, you know... uh, hive world or be some you know well-regarded uh imperial uh member of the imperial nobility or administratum at the higher levels of society 
all within the Mechanicum or similar things, because again, people may feel that they are um they 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 feel they are owed power, owed technology, mm. knowledge, mm. whatever. Yeah. And when you've got groups like the Adeptus Mechanicus and and the uh administratum and, and so forth that are banning those things, uh you can feel kind of hurt by that and so seek out power by other means. Also, Zinches most probably has a lot of fun with uh radicals and especially heretical uh inquisitors within that within the Inquisition. And that likely also uh is true within similar uh organizations you know the inquisition of the of the empire so really anyone from any any part of society often i feel mostly started out with good intentions that get and seeing that they get rewarded and i'm sure zeech through its agents takes great joy in what in seeing how easily people are perverted from their good intentions to down darker paths, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's kind of how I would set things up, and and I think the role play games, uh, you know, Warhammer Fantasy for certain, we already have evidence of it within the the enemy within campaign. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll touch on this when uh, the the new 40k RPG comes out, the Imperium Maledictum, which is basically okay. Warhammer Fantasy. But with imperial agents, so just humans, just agents, they can be radicals, or they may be working for radical and not knowing it. I think that is the kind of scope uh, to explore these themes. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's interesting that you were bringing up, Chris, the the idea of how uh, and power might kind of pervert the good intentions of um, different different worshippers of Zinch or people that get kind of trapped within his web of uh, of intrigues. But a theory that's always kind of existed or been hinted at with Zinch is that you know if you were finally to win the great game against the other three chaos gods and you know seize seize power over them basically be, be the final one standing um be the highlander uh his his concepts of radical change and and all of that might actually just go away he'd make the ultimate change to become just a static despot in that case which i think i always thought was a very interesting concept because you know his own twisted perverted good intentions would ultimately change at the very end to just bring oppression to the world I would also say that Zeech is his own... Zeech has a god, I say his. <laughs> like all the cursed gods, gender has no mm-hmm. meaning. Um, but I think Zeech is their own enemy as well. Because winning the great game brings you to a state which is in its own right an imbalance. And so mm. the only way for progress forward is for Zeech to, to fluctuate back to a state of where there's no power for Zeech and the others can rise up. So that flux always mm. has to exist. Mm. Uh, ooh, you know, that is really interesting, actually. That could be a very fun concept for a game wherein one of Zeech's cults is told to go basically eliminate his other cults. They're becoming yeah. too powerful. Yeah. Perfect. Because they become too powerful. and they're, they're Because they've got that power, they know they've taken control. They're now too locked into what they wanted and so the only way to 
keep the great game progressing is to eliminate them. I like it. Good concept. So uh, we should talk about types of you know examples of cults that we've seen uh, throughout the game. Then uh, let's see. Mm-hmm. Let's start. Let's start with um, Age of Sigma because fortunately uh, the the Warcry game has showcased so many great chaos cults that don't don't wear on their their sleeve their allegiance to a particular chaos god too strongly. Mm. But you can see the elements in there. So uh, my personal favorite, and as well personal favorite within the game to play them, is the Cypher Lords. So they wear masks, which kind of fits in with that mystery cult kind of element. Uh, they come from the realm of light. So again, that's a realm where there's every, I guess, strives to be. Everyone's striving for a higher ideal, for purity. And so to have this cult working in the background almost quite openly, maybe, uh, to, to, to cause uh, confusion and, and dissent. Uh, that's a really cool concept, and I'm sure we'll see more of the Realm of Light in other uh, expansions and books. Uh, more recently, we've had the Jade Obelisk uh, in Warcry. They're from the Realm of Gur, and I think they're all slowly like changing into stone, and again, they kind of wear masks, or at least their faces appear as masks. They're being turned into jade. Mm. Uh, we don't know. I haven't got that. Uh, that stuff hasn't yet been sold separately out of the, the, the box game they did for that. So I'm waiting to get that individual book and that warband to see more about them. There's also the Rotmire Creed, uh, Creed, which I think kind of border between Nurgle and Zinch, maybe, uh, Mike? Mm. Uh, I don't really know much about them. I actually feel like that might have been left in from our previous show notes, actually. Oh, right. Well, I guess I guess there's an element possibly there, because, again, they look like they are... I guess they could be very, you know, on, on the edge of it, because they're, they're former alchemists. So ah, right. Yeah. There's that element there of of knowledge and power. So I think that could be kind of fun to explore. But of mm. course, there are our favorite um, arch bastards, aren't they? From the uh, from the enemy within, which is the uh, Purple Hand. Do you want to talk about them? Yeah, I'm going to jump into them in just a second. But okay. I actually want to bring something up really interesting because it was good that we brought up the Rotmire Creed uh, and also, of course, Cypher Lords, Jade Obelisk, because um, Age of Sigmar is really, really awesome with its uh, chaos cults they're very unique they have a lot of character a lot of flavor and uh they're great to mine for ideas for warhammer fantasy roleplay because a, a common complaint about uh wolf rip is that uh the 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 chaos cults feel very samey you know corn cults don't have a lot of variety uh zinch cults wheels within wheels you know uh slanesh cults it's either it's either sex or drugs you know take your pick um but when you look at these different uh, uh, cults that have been written up in Warcry, especially, uh, it gives you a lot of really interesting, unique ideas. And, you know, that um, that cult that we we're talking about uh, or, or war bands for Warcry that we're talking about that are based off of the corn uh, flesh hounds could be a really interesting thing to bring in as like a secret society uh, within yeah. the empire. 
uh, for for a Warhammer Fantasy roleplay. So I just want to bring that up as like a really cool thing to kind of steal ideas and kind of mix and match between these different Warhammer settings. Uh, yeah, actually, I just realized there's two more we can add in to this discussion, which I think are a good representations of chaos cults that kind of add that grab an element of things we associate with zinch mm-hmm. scions of the flame again they are oh, yeah. you know they they are fire wielding chaos cult so you know the, the, i would say they're somewhere between zinch and corn but they're definitely you know grabbing that fire is a representation of chaos and then the other one which have our a definite kind of again maybe they're Zeech and Corn Zeech Corn and Nurgle mix is the Corvus Cabal mm, yeah because they have that bird uh, effigy uh, kind of that bird kind of like um, symbology which you know when we talk about we'll be talking about the demons of Zeech they have that in in like a lot so I think Absolutely. the Corvus Cabal grab that element. And then the death element is obviously coming from the you know the fact that Corvids being carrion eaters is that kind Indeed. of a representation of corn or is that a representation of Nurgle you know um, so I think that's kind of fun yeah yeah absolutely but let's get back to Warhammer Fantasy roleplay and of course the Purple Hand Cult uh, they are the stars of the Enemy Within uh, scenarios people that uh, checked out our uh, actual plays of the uh, the first part of the Enemy Within uh, Shadows of Bogenhofen will uh, definitely recognize these guys from the very end uh, and this is a vast conspiratorial network within the Empire uh, who are plotting something dreadful for the old world nation I don't really want to go into what they're doing because, you know, could be some spoilers there. Uh, but rather than demons and magic, which they do have access to, they actually often resort to blackmail and extortion to get what they want, which I think is a, a very good point that, uh, you know, they could be using these uh, these uh, more eldritch uh, tools at their disposal. But it's a lot safer and actually, honestly, probably a lot easier uh, to just be doing these much more mundane things as well, which is how they uh, can so insidiously spread their web throughout the Empire. Uh, we should also not forget, uh, of course, because this is this is obviously been a feature of... I've not played it yet, so Total War Warhammer 3 is mm-hmm. introduces, like, for, I would say, properly for the first time to everyone... Um, representations and we'll mostly see these as miniatures uh with old world is uh Cathay. And mm-hmm. of course Cathay yep. has uh Zinchian cults there because Zinch is known as let me get this right. Just trying to find it. It's in a wiki somewhere. Um something like what would it be? I I saw it. I saw it, and I saw it. Uh, Chian Chi is is the name of Zinch in in the east. Uh, so, mm-hmm. and again, I guess that thematically makes sense because if you're going to crib real world society, you know, culture, society, and if you think most probably part of the Cathay kind of iconography and philosophy is uh Taoism, so balance, yin yang, right? That mm-hmm. is the polar opposite of of Zinch. So 
that's again uh, a way of possibly introducing characters into Warhammer Fantasy who come to the Empire, you know, following the the roots of um, whatever he's called, sort of Marco, who whatever the Warhammer World version of Marco Polo is. Um, oh yeah, but, there's an actual character. I forgot his there name, is, but yeah, yep, there's a yeah, real one. Right. Um, <laughs> But that's where I would go down. I think it'd be a really fun character to to have as a player character, or as at least as an NPC, mm-hmm. who yeah. provides a an insight into Zinch, either as an enemy because they're part of that Zinchian cult, or as uh, uh, or or is not, or as you know, kind of an opponent to Zinch in that way, like a, a Cathayan kind of inquisitor, as it were, right. So, Chris, uh, great minds think alike, because you just reminded me that in the uh, the Beast and Velvet novel by uh, by Kim Newman, there actually is a character from Cathay who is a, a Zinch worshiper. Uh, a bit of a problematic character when you look back I'm at sure. it. But, uh, you know, a bit of a bit too much kind of like Fu Manchu kind of thing oh, going on. Oh, God, that'd be awful. Yep, yep. Yeah. But uh, it, it's... It's it's a character that uh, has has existed and is a good idea, uh, just for kind of showing that kind of universal uh, intrusion of chaos into all these different societies. Um, I think your idea of the uh, sort of um, you know East Asian esque character who is a inquisitor that can kind of root out uh, Zinch is a, is a good idea because it, it could kind of depend on how you're going to represent Cathay. Uh, in this world and what uh, inspiration going to take you know if you're using Taoism, sure the uh kind of you know balance aspects can be can be very important but if you choose to have a much more confucian style a very static structured society then in that case zinch is actually going to be one of the uh, the great enemies uh for for that society since it's uh going to be so rebellious and and uh kind of corrupting and doing doing uh, various things in the shadows having a a kind of you know, inquisitorial character. We could probably come up with something better if we really, you know, writers wrote yeah. this. Uh, I think it actually as a really neat concept. I was also going to go uh, a bit further with that as well, is that likely, now, you know, the other agents of chaos that we can think of and likely are feeling the influence of Zinch through an aspect of chaos is Clan Eshin, because mm, they're classic mm. assassins. Uh, they learnt their trade, their skill in the Far East, uh, and have the Under Empire there as well. So again, that is a way of of introducing uh, that kind of Zinchian influence, but through the guise of the Horned Rat. Yeah, I like it. I like it. that's a really good idea. Cool, forty k yeah. then. <laughs> yeah, or, let's or... do it. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to talk about two uh, two Chaos Space Marine things because uh, I couldn't find anything that I really liked amongst like mortal, not mortal, but like you know regular human Chaos Cultists in, in 40k. But of course, I'm going to start off by talking about the Thousand Suns. This is one of the original Space Marine legions, which is led by Magnus the Red, and uh, the Thousand Suns were known for their sorcerers and prophets, and uh, of course, many of their um, their forces during. And uh, during the Great Crusade, were uh, led by the Psyker sorcerers. Um, but the th- the story of the Thousand Sons is actually quite tragic. So Magnus and the upper echelons of the uh, the Legion knew about the dread foe of chaos. They saw it there in the warp, lurking. Um, but they were actually chastised for even using their warp powers, and they were prevented from really you know, embracing their more sorcerous nature. 
Now, during the Horus heresy, Magnus attempted to warn the emperor of the impending betrayal of Horus, uh, but his psychic message caused a catastrophic damage to the emperor's laboratory, um, since it was not prepared to take that kind of, you know, uh, sudden uh, influx of psychic energy. Uh, in the confusion, the uh, emperor sent the Space Wolves uh, Legion to uh, basically rein in Thousand Sons, which uh, they interpreted as kill them all. And uh, in their darkest hour of defeat, as Magnus's back was literally broken by his brother, the chapter and Magnus himself offered their offered themselves in service to Zinch. And from that, well, uh, they changed. Uh, they grew in sorceress power. They were able to fight back. And through some other uh, metaplot reasons, uh, the Legion was eventually uh, all turned into dust within their armor, which is uh, pretty cool. Uh, gives them, gives that, them kind of a mummy feel. Isn't that because um, they were basically experiencing like terrible amounts of mutation? And, right. And yeah, exactly. Araman did the oh the, the, f- the Rub- Rubicon. Uh, no, Araman's not the Rubicon. Rubicon. It did something. He did. Uh, let's see. Araman. Great, 40K. great radio here. <laughs> yeah, really great radio Sorry here. About uh, this. It, what's it called? It's called the right of the rubric of Araman. Uh, right. And that basically, you know, prevents mutation but turn them all into dust. So again, it's pure hubris like, oh I can fix it. Mm. Oh, I've messed it up actually. Made it even worse. Yeah. 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 Um it's really it's really tragic actually and represents perfectly um Zinch's schemes because the thing is that Magnus basically tried to warn the Emperor by and travelled down the 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 webway, um, and this is the webway that was being built by the emperor through. Correct. Yep. And and the entrance to this human part of the webway is the golden throne, and there's a reason why that exists there is because the only way to keep the gate you know sealed and keep the demons out because it's been ruined by Magnus is the emperor or someone else of great psychic potential has to sit on it. So, yep. um, yeah, Magnus Magnus gets a really shit deal. You know, you do have... And that's that's where... That's tragic, and that's... I think I think that's the point of Zinch. Zinch is quite tragic in, in the influence it causes many of the characters in uh, Warhammer settings right. in general. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. Hey, can we just nerd out on Horus heresy lore for a second here so <laughs> the reason why the emperor was trying to get into the webway was so that humanity would not need to rely on the warp anymore is that correct uh so they, right, didn't they can travel war- through the webway so they didn't need to use war- uh, warp engines for travel right. uh which yeah, is completely yeah, exactly. you know completely dangerous like and that's why the eldar use it you know the eldari use the webway for exactly the same reason right. Right. And the webway is is currently in current forty k setting completely. You know, is even more fucking usual <laughs> thanks okay. to the Great Rift. The Great Rift messed it up even more. So, oh really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I need to look into that. Interesting. All right. So, enough of that side tangent. Let's talk about one more Space Ring chapter, which is the Scourged. So, um, this Space Ring chapter. Uh, was originally called the Seekers of Truth, and they were a Space Marine chapter working directly for the Inquisition. Uh, but uh, their chapter master, uh, Gallus Hereticus, uh, began to doubt his work 
as the chapter continued to murderants whom he thought were innocent people in blind faith to the inquisitors. So he started to pray each night uh, for, for the power to be able to tell if any man lied to him or told the truth so that he would not have to execute those that were actually truly innocent. And Zinch heard this uh, prayer and gifted his entire chapter with the power to hear every lie spoken by mankind. The uh, Space Marine chapter quickly went mad, uh, fled the uh, Inquisition, and began realizing all the falsehoods that the Imperium uh, uh, had, all the falsehoods that was built on. So now they uh, roam the, uh, the galaxy um, with their battle cry of the lies, the lies, the lies. Wow. That's, that's also quite tragic in a sense because mm-hmm. as a Space Marine chapter, they would have been created in the in the era of the imperial creed and the imperial creed of course is you know uh the faith of the imperium that you know venerates the emperor as a as as a god uh and by but the belief in that is what you know protects people's souls against against the influence of chaos which means the scourge mostly feel betrayed because the tragic thing is that gift they got given in a split second would have opened their eyes up to the fact that the truth is that the emperor wanted humanity to follow the imperial truth, which is to remove all superstitions, remove the idea of gods and as a way to elevate humanity. So it's sad that understanding the truth and the actual, the true goal, the true uh, vision of the emperor uh, by knowing that and knowing how you know the administratum has uh, has royally you know fucked that up for them, <laughs> it drives yep. them mad. It's it's tragic. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, very interesting chapter, and they really stood out amongst all the others. So that's why I wanted to share them. Um, I yeah, guess of- another space marine chapter. I say chapter legion, which has good influence, mostly you know. Are our prime players for chaos? Has we've got has to be the word bearers, right? Uh, I mean, they certainly are the big boys for um, uh, spreading the the chaos faith, I guess you could say, and uh, creating yeah. cults and the like. Um, yeah, they'll definitely have many that are um, devoted to Zinch, but you know, I don't really get the the conspiratorial vibes from them, no. and not uh, not as much of the uh, the the psyker usage as well in the way that the uh the thousand suns have um they really are they do feel like chaos undivided most of the yeah. time um but i'm sure yeah, there i are was thinking there's amongst them that that tend towards each a little bit more than the others i think that would be natural so you know like like any of them are going to tend maybe one way or the other on any of the gods Right, right. And when you were mentioning with the uh, the scourge about the uh, realization of the imperial truth and what it truly meant, um, that had me thinking, of course, of the Alpha Legion, who oh, yeah. um, are are very mysterious in many ways. We don't really know if they truly worship chaos or if they are just playing some sort of a, a long game. Um, you know, the Legion novel in the Horace Heresy novel series, of course, hints at them. Uh, uh, making this sort of basically assisting Horus because they thought it would save the galaxy in the very end, um, which is kind of a interesting realization. Now, are they actually 
worshiping Zinch? Are they just pawns in one of Zinch's uh, uh, many complex uh, uh, plots? Or are they almost competitors against Zinch with their own long-term plan? Could go um, anyway. Interesting. Actually, I really like that as uh, Alpha Legion as competitors against Zinch. That is uh, <laughs> that is that is zesty right there. Um, yeah, someone should write that novel. <laughs> uh, I'm sure there's 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 a whole list of uh, yeah, there's a whole list of other chaos. There's like yeah, you know, the wikis out now of other chaos traitor chapters and warbands, and the list is long. And where, how many are like are Zinchian? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I looked it up. Most of them just have like a sentence saying they worship Zinch, and that's really it. You know, there's a lot of war bands out there for Chaos Space Marines, but most of them don't get that much detail. You know, you basically get yeah. have the uh, the Chaos Legions from Horse Heresy, uh, usually, and then usually like one or two, um, like I don't want to say successor, but war bands that formed uh, later on, which might be de- uh, devoted to one of the uh, uh, different Chaos Gods. Yeah, uh, that's pretty much all we really get for for them. Most of the focus goes on the uh, the legions because they're yeah. There's there's, there's so many hardly, of them. There's hardly anything written about most of these. They're just literally a throwaway name and uh, which invasion yeah. they were involved in or or whatnot. Um, I mean, given all the theories of uh, of <laughs> of um, of uh, the of the thousand sons i guess you know i'm sure that there's some interesting characters you can possibly amongst other chapters out there um maybe the uh, blood ravens we don't know um <laughs> mm, right right yeah yeah cool okay um let's wrap up so we've got role-playing followers as each oh god this is yeah, so I think I think the one thing I've written down here, which I think is very important to get across, is how to tackle that idea of like the, uh, the conspiracies, the wheels within wheels for Zinch cults. Now, if you have NPCs and you're you're writing the game, you're a storyteller, you know it's easy to kind of plot out what they're what they're trying to do. But this is very challenging if you have a Zinchian player character. Um, you know, maybe you're playing Black Crusade. Maybe you have you know particularly. Uh, insidious character in one of your uh, uh, soulbound games. So how are you going to get that across, having that long-term plot for them? Because they should have something. There, sh- there should be some sort of a conspiracy that they're either involved in or they're actively trying to achieve themselves. And for player characters, I would assign them or ask them to tell you in secret probably you don't want the rest of the players to know because it'd be kind of a cool surprise but as a storyteller you should ask them to give you what their plot is and kind of the end goal for that plot so that could be um to let's let's go with uh let's go with 40k uh their plot is to uh uh install the dark mechanicum on mars for example so basically have chaos take over mars in the in that forge world and you should ask them for one step in their plot that has already been achieved right something has already been done and that might be uh let's say smuggling a um a junk code virus onto mars and then you should ask them for what the next step is and this could be directly uh related to the previous one you know you know uh releasing that junk code onto or scrap code uh into the mars computer or machine god systems 
or it could be something kind of unrelated, which might be you know another layer to the onion. Uh, you know, perhaps. Um, well, let's just go with a classic assassination. They're going to assassinate uh, a forge master somewhere on uh, on Mars to install one of their pawns. Uh, so having just the details of things that have happened before and things that need to happen in the future kind of gives that conspiracy some momentum, which I think is really important. You know, sometimes with player characters, they have a an idea that they might want to do, but there's no real path to achieving it. And having that legwork done, especially working with the player, uh, will just make the uh, the conspiracy a bit more lively in your game. I would also say, um, you know, with any kind of trying to run, allow players to do conspiracies and so forth is, and I think this also comes from like, you know, the fact that we've run, you know, we're going to mention Vampire the Masquerade here uh, and sure. Vampire the Requiem because those are classic games where conspiracies and plans within plans and plans that take over take take many years to play out are common tropes and i don't know mike have you i highly suggest if you've not watched it yet uh to watch the traitors the u.s version i've not watched the uk version yet i've actually watched the u.s version first oh, i've binge watched it. it it's it's so it's basically you know uh werewolf um the the social deduction game ah, it's okay. like that cool. but you know over as a reality tv game show type thing so i would watch that first of all if you're un- unsure how to let your players um and also let the players what you know get your players to watch it to inspire them to how conspiracies operate because and this is as as a gm running a game you need to also at the same time think that some of your npcs are going to be stupid. They are going to make mistakes. They are mm-hmm. going to be far too fucking trusting for their own good. They're going to be all, all far too um, suspicious and jump to certain conclusions, etc. So if you are going to run a game with players who are... And this actually goes for whether they're Zinchin or not, actually. If, they're, if you're playing a game of where it's very inquisitorial and there's a conspiracy and your inquisitorial retinue are also essentially engaging in a undercover conspiracy. You have to allow your NPCs to be stupid because they're not you. They're not you, the GM. You are trying to create opportunities of drama and opportunities for your players to, to succeed. And if you allow them opportunity to succeed, you're allowing also an opportunity for your players to overreach and that's the aim i think with running a conspiracy you've got to create openings for players to overreach and that can only be done with allowing first characters to be stupid Mm. yeah i think that's really interesting and uh definitely overreach and exposure exposure really is going to be uh the big thing you see that in like a demon descent for example um that can be uh pretty critical to uh that game as well Cool. Are, are those our uh, our tips for uh, followers of Zinch? Uh, I, I would also harken back to the idea uh, to look at Warcry and uh, Age of Sigmar for a lot of ideas. Um, you know, especially for um, actually, I was saying Warcry would be would benefit from that. Man, forty k grabbing some of those different cults would be really interesting on feral worlds or uh, oh, yeah. primitive societies, you know, medieval worlds and, and the like. So that is another great way to uh just mine for ideas 
Right. Well, I guess we quickly wrap up the last bits here. So, demons, because there's a lot of cool demons out there for us each. Uh, yeah. Horrors. They're just fun, aren't they? They're just kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cheerful, madly babbling creatures. Um, you know, they're constantly sort of shifting and the like. Um, and, you know, the, the, the fun trick, which, I mean, really only surprises you the first time, uh, is that if a pink horror is defeated, it will split into two blue horrors. Um, they have kind of weird uh, sucker fingers, which are, are really kind of gruesome. And um, they're not really easy to interact with. You know, that's actually one of the, the strange things about the, the Zingchian demons is that they aren't they aren't like sinister demons who are going to, you know, kind of lure you into um, some sort of a, a, a bad deal or something like that. Most of them are actually very um, kind of primitive and destructive, um, but also a bit interesting as well. Uh, um, moving on from uh, from the blue horrors and the pink horrors, there's, of course, oh, the... Uh, I was going to say blue horrors also split into brimstone horrors as well. They're oh yeah, that's smaller right. And even more jolly. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, those you can actually get the miniatures of that for yeah. in a, a silver tower. Yep. Um, and then of course we have the flamers. These are kind of these sort of bird-like flying giant flamethrower monsters. That's really the only way to describe them. Um, not very talkative either. Um, uh, really just uh, you know, kind of created for the wargaming side of things, where they are massively massively destructive um there's also the screamers of zinch and the disc of zinch um the yeah. screamers are these giant manta ray demons which fly across the battlefield kind of slicing people up but they can be tamed by one of the sorcerers of zinch uh, to become a disc which levitates and allows them to kind of fly quickly across the battlefield and summoning one is seen as a status symbol amongst uh, sorcerers because it's so difficult and then we finally get to the Lord of Change. This is a giant bird sorcerer, uh, massively strong, hyper intelligent, incredibly powerful psyker or sorcerer, uh, spellcaster. Um, and these are the uh, demons that characters could actually talk to, for example, or that NPCs might actually be doing negotiations with, if not talking to Zinch directly or through some sort of a, some sort of proxy. Um, I do want to highlight that there is a uh, Black Library uh, novel called Pawns of Chaos, which I don't really recommend reading uh, because there's some problematic stuff in it. But at the end, there is some really cool stuff where a, a human sacrifice is basically slowly being uh, transformed into a, uh, a lord of change and starts to kind of like see the universe for how it truly is and kind of begins to recognize, the human begins to recognize the uh the plans of Zinch and how uh, that chaos god kind of has his fingers and everything, uh, which is uh, pretty neat. Pretty neat. Uh, I'm just looking on the products page for Games Workshop. So there's also some other things related to you know other Zinch and demons and things. There's the blue yeah. scribes, which are like character kind of um, horrors who are doing magic floating on a, a disc or a, a screamer. Yep. Uh, there's the change caster, which looks like I guess a mortal has been kind of exalted and mixed with a horror because they've got also a moon face, which is weird. Um, I've got one of these miniatures; they're really cool. The Ogroid Thaumaturge. So they're Ogroids in in Age of Sigma. Uh, so a Thaumaturge is just one that's obviously been 
tempted to worship uh, Zinch in particular. Uh, there's also all, everything to do with Karak Acolytes. Again, that's another very... That's basically the main bulk, big body of mortal worshippers of Zinch in Age of Sigmar. And mm-hmm. Zangors, which I freaking love. Uh, I, I love the miniatures for. They're just, yeah. you know, beastmen uh, aligned more closely to Zinch. Much yeah, like the, you get the Pestigors. Yeah, Pestigors are cool beastmen. as well. Um yeah, those are all the cool stuff that is out there. And then uh, back to the Black Library thing, I was going to quickly say, um, a book that can be picked up is, um, which I've read, I don't read loads of Black Library, I really need to sort out my reading when I'm not writing loads and everything else. Um, so in The Wicked and the Damned, which is a collection of three horror stories, um, there is one which involves a... Uh, a space ring found on a space hulk and uh spoiler alerts totally you know worshiping zinch and it goes completely crazy uh for the people that are employed to tear apart this old spaceship to reuse it for parts for the imperium um yeah like it's just uh crazy like full-on what you expect from zinch Nice. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Good recommendations. And uh, let's go with the double bonus round for this episode because we didn't have too much of the Black Library this time. And let's talk about some Zinchian locations because he's got a bit more than some of the other Chaos Gods. Um, starting things off, we have the Silver Tower of Zinch. And this is slightly different in each of the, uh, each of the games. Uh, in 40k, the Silver Towers are actually remnants of Prospero, the uh, Thousand Suns destroyed homeworld. And these towers kind of roam across the battlefield. Sometimes they have uh, sorcerers inside of them. Sometimes they can kind of focus mirrors, crystals, and other energy to create destruction upon a battlefield. But there are these towers which are constantly shifting, growing, and changing. And of course, yes, levitating across the battlefield. In Age of Sigmar, however, um, the Silver Tower is more of a static location, not static location, but a, a singular location, uh, which is the dungeon setting for the first Warhammer Quest game. That's not quite true. There's actually not quite, quite true. Sil- there's, no, there's multiple. There's, there's multiple because one oh, I'm crashes sorry. in um, in the realm of uh, the realm of metal, and it is and it crashes near some realm gates and is basically part of uh Bellicor's, like huge plan which unleashes the storm of Ca- this storm of chaos uh, event which is what prevents the the um the stormcast eternals you know when they die they get taken yeah. back to the uh realm of uh heavens yeah that gets that that process gets prevented and that's why we've got the new stormcast type because they are able when they die when they get first of all that when they get um, sent from the realm of heavens they come down as a lightning bolt that can pierce that storm, but also when mm-hmm. they die and explode they can also be taken back through that storm. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. But so Chris, you're telling me that Bellacor's great plan for Age of Sigmar begins with him taking something from the heavens and then throwing it down onto the realms below and and wrecking a city 
Uh, yeah, I think... sounds familiar. Where have I where yeah, heard that before? <laughs> I know, right? I think it happens near. I can't remember which uh, city it is, uh, but yeah, it's completely bonkers. No, I like it. I like it. It's really, it's cool. It's a good callback to uh, to Mordheim as well. Um, all right, so that's the Silver Tower. We also have the uh, the Crystal Labyrinth, which is a uh, a maze. Um, of Zinch's creation, which has these ever-changing avenues, basically, and uh, has multiple gates, which you have to kind of solve to even enter this place. And uh, the Crystal Labyrinth is home to Zinch's throne on the Impossible Fortress and his nearly limitless knowledge in the Hidden Library. Uh, And of course, this place is filled with those who have become lost within it or failed the inhabitants' riddles. So a lot of lost souls walking the streets. Uh, and then another setting is Brightspear, which is a city that was created uh, for the Age of Sigma RPG. Uh, that's in the realm of Akshai, which you normally associate with Corn. Um, but Brightspear seems to have a. I've not really read too much about it, but seems to have kind of a heavy Zinchian cult presence there. Um, so again, that's something to look into. I was just also, I'm going to finish off. This is the last thing I'm going to finish off right on. You know how we were talking about Zinchin cults and other Marines? There's a yeah. war band of Black Legion space Marines called the Sons of Cyclops, right? And they mm-hmm. are named after the, uh, after the Primarch, you know, Magnus the Red. So they're actually Black Legion, but they're Zinchin aligned. And I don't quite understand, and I'm sure you know anyone that's maybe read the book that they appear in. Let me just see Black Legion Codex, Black Crusade Codex Space Marines Eighth Edition. Okay, and Warzo Nachmund uh, cites them. Okay, good. That's all recent books. Anyway, hmm. so they're Black Legion, they're Marines, but they're also Rubric Marines. So somehow they, by veneration of of Zinch and something somewhere along the lines they have undergone hmm. the same transition that the thousand suns have well that's a bit of a mystery right there yeah yeah uh i mean i'm looking at this it doesn't seem to explain how that happened interesting no. interesting yeah and their their shoulder pad is a combination of thousand sun symbol and the eye of horus oh that's kind of cool. I, I yeah. you know, it's nice to have more options that aren't just your standard. Oh, you want to play Zinch and Marines? They're all, you know, they're all Thousand Suns. Like that's, uh, you know, that's boring. I like the idea that some variety out there. Um, you know, Black Legion with a bit with, with uh, apparently a splash of blue in their color scheme. That's kind of cool. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's just kind of fun. I think that wraps us up. Yep, that's all I got. Yeah, yeah, um, and we are in the process of preparing um, a new series as well, which will focus on the Iron Kingdoms RPG. So you know, another big war war game out there uh, and setting which I've worked on. So I am literally seeing <laughs> what we're going to be having as our uh, logo for it and everything else. So. There's lots of cool stuff going on. It's just nice to finally get around to recording again in so yeah, long. Definitely. Um, I think this has energized us to get back into it. There's a lot of good stuff going on. Um, uh, yeah, that is, that's pretty much, I think, 
it for this episode. So we'll be back with Slanesh, and then I, we're going to have to talk about uh, about Dark Tide, mm-hmm. and maybe have a little bit of a chat about so what, what what the hell is clearly you know what what teasers are out there, what we're expecting from. Uh, a certain Henry Cavill, because uh, oh. the world of Warhammer Media is about to explode. All right, I'll give uh, Henry a, uh, I'll give him a call. We'll oh yeah, if I could get him to play some Wrath and Glory, I would love it. <laughs> um, also, oh, also the other thing I will give, uh, all things going to plan, I will be at Warhammer Fest in Manchester at the end of uh, April. Sweet. Uh, so it'll be good to meet listeners there. So. Uh, yeah, that's basically it. Yep, we are Dark Days Radio. Uh, you can check out more of our episodes at uh, darker-days.org. Um, we have a link tree, which will be in the show notes, which has all of our social media. Um, you can find you know, a link to our Discord, uh, Facebook, and everything else. That's a good thing to check out. Um, we have a lot of content coming up uh, real soon. Um, and uh, yeah, Crystal is actually recording a uh, another mentorship episode for getting into the gaming industry so that'd be really cool and uh, another great thing to look forward to cool so thank you for listening thank you again mike for helping with it me with this because uh i am slightly under the weather uh and uh we'll talk to you all soon uh at a later date about slanesh so bye for now bye